So as we talk about ideas for the will of God, we talked about how a lot of people don't use the Bible when they make decisions. They think uh, that the Bible is not relevant to their decision making, so they don't they don't think about it. They don't use it. And so we said, why do people do that? Some people think the Bible has nothing to say about everyday decision making, and some people say instead you need to rely on additional re- revelation. And this idea of additional revelation is this thing of getting certain feelings from God, getting certain um, uh, emotional experiences, having a fleece where you say, Lord, if you want me to date this girl, um, have her wear red tomorrow. Who hasn't done that, you know? <laughs> it's that kind of a thing. You know, you guys probably have done it before um, to some extent. That, that's kind of what we, we might do. What you find, though, as you study the Bible is that this is actually not the case at all. The Bible actually has lots to say about everyday decision-making. It has more to say about everyday decision-making and things you should do and things you should not do than it does about big decisions like maybe you're, um, who you're going to marry, etc. So uh, I don't know why this is not. Let's see if I can. I don't know what happened here. Hang on. There we go. So we have in First Second Peter one three. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. But this is a very important verse, um, one that you ought to have starred or underlined or highlighted or something. It talks about God. It says uh, God's wisdom that he's given to us, even that his divine power has granted. What does the word granted mean? It's very easy. Given, right? It's been given. Has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. He has already given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's in 2 Peter 1.3. It's a very important idea. That God has already equipped us with everything we need. Um, also, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Um, and, it's, and this is review. Profitable for doctrine. It means it's good for, it's, it's, it's beneficial for teaching what's right, reproof what's wrong, correction with how to make what's wrong right, training in righteousness how to keep it right. So if you're struggling, if you want to know how to make a change in your life, you should go to the God's Word. Now, it's good to read books. I'm reading a book right now on the Christian walk, and that's great. But really, when it comes down to it, you've got to go to God's Word. So, what are some aspects of God's will in decision-making? We made a difference, made a distinction, I should say, between these two things. Does anybody remember the distinction between, that I made between these two things, the directed or directive and decreed will of God that is God's moral will and God's sovereign will? Yeah. So his moral will is like when he commands us to how, how to live our lives and then his sovereign will is um, like his plan that he already knows. Right. So which one of these, I'll put it this way, can you know God's moral will for your life? Yes. Can you know God's sovereign will? After it happens. <laughs> yeah, you know God's sovereign will after something happens. You don't, you don't know God's sovereign will until it happens, because then God is showing you his sovereign will as it unfolds. But God's moral will is what the Bible calls us to know, okay? And God's sovereign will, we are to, and in light of God's sovereign will, we are to trust, okay? This is really what it comes down to. And in light of God's sovereign will, you trust, in light of God's moral will, you obey. And you know and obey. I should put that down. obey. So, so this is key. Never in the Bible does it tell us you have to know the future. Okay? Never. People who pretend like they can know the future 
from God are, are, are fooling themselves. They're deluded. God doesn't do that. Um, now, I, I want to be careful. Can God do that if he really chose to? Sure. But he's already given us everything we need uh, in the word of God. So I, I find that people, who, if you study God's word, if you trust God's word, if you love God's word, if you know God's word, this is what, this is what will teach you. And the Holy Spirit of God uh, expounds truth to you. We know that from Second or First Corinthians chapter 2. I put this here. Sometimes people want to know the decreed will of God instead of the moral will of God. And knowing God's decreed will is impossible. I should not pretend like I know uh, God's decreed will, God's sovereign will. Um, we, this is God's directive will. This is God's moral will. When it talks about this here, I delight to do your will, O Lord. I'd like to obey your will. Okay, which which one is that? God's moral will. God's directive. When it says directive, it means it's telling you what to do. Okay, I delight to know your will. Uh, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Which one is that? God's moral will, right? God's directive will. And these are all that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so you may prove, you may know what the will of God is. How do you prove what the will of God is? That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Oops, I went forward. Is it moral or sovereign here? Moral will, right? And the sovereign will of God is, is best uh, described in James chapter 4. And what's the response of... Hey, let's do this. Let's go out in this town. Let's make plans. And he says, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. In this, I know I'm going fast, but just hang with me. If this is your, supposed to be your response, what is that kind of a response from a person? What, what, what is that boiled down? It's, it's, it's knowing and obeying, right? I'm sorry. It's not knowing and obeying. It's, it's trusting. I'm sorry. I got confused. It's trusting. If the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. It's not about knowing that you're going to actually make a profit. It's about, look, I'm going to trust that God is good. And I'm going to trust that God won't do anything to me that is not ultimately for my good and for his glory. It's trusting that God is in control and he loves you. And this is what's key. Is there two key attributes of God? That God is great. Okay. This is a category of God's personality. God's attributes. Remember that when you're a kid and you pray and you have that little sing-songy thing, what do you say? God is what? Great. God is good. Okay? There's a lot of truth in that. There are two things. God is great and God is good. Okay, God is great. He is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He does. He knows all things. He is everywhere. He's all-powerful. Okay? He's also good in that he's loving, he's caring, and he's gracious towards us. Now, let me ask you a question. Which one of these do you struggle with the most personally? You don't have to answer me. Some people have no problem describing God as great. They say, yeah, God's great. God is powerful. God can do whatever he wants. I just don't think he likes me very much. Other people say, God is good. He just doesn't have to. He could help. He, he would help me. He would give this to me. He would give me a spouse or a friend or whatever. Or he would give that. But, you know, he just can't. He's, he can't do anything. So they don't think of God as being great. Um, so... We have to hold both of these to be true. God is both great and good. And that, that's hard for our minds sometimes to wrap around, but it's important for us to, to consider. And that's as we go forward. 
You have, and, and if you know that God is great and God is good, and if you believe this, you can trust him. Because he can do it, and he'll do what's best for you. Now, 1 Corinthians 4.19, uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthians. He says, I want to come to you soon if the Lord wills. Uh, and I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but they're powerful. He's talking about uh, confronting people who are in sin. But he, when he's coming to them, he's like, I want to come to you if the Lord desires, if the Lord wills. And he's saying, I don't know. I trust that God is great and God is good. And if he works it out, he works it out. If not, I know he has something better. Can you understand how freeing that is? That is, that is incredibly freeing as a college student, as a young person. You have your whole life in front of you. You're trying to make decisions. You're like, what if I take the wrong class? What if I, look, use wisdom, do the best you can, and understand that ultimately God is in control. We're going to talk about how to make choices next. Okay, so here's your sheet today. Some place, The place for scripture in decision making. All right, let's look at some of these uh, very important principles from God's word. Um, First, let's talk about scripture. Understand the difference between the Bible. Some of these are you've blank sheet to fill in. Understand the difference between the Bible speaking directly and indirectly. Um, oh man, I don't. I didn't give you this as your sheet. I'm sorry. I only did the last page. Rats. Let me just. Do you know what this means? Descriptive does not mean prescriptive. Have you ever heard this before? So if I tell Jake, if I tell a story about Jake, and I tell a story about Jake's day today, Jake, what did you do today? School. He did school today. What else did you do today? Um, have food. He had food today. Did you make these stupid decisions today? Yeah. Okay. Can you can you give me one that's not like bad? Uh, I probably spent too much time watching a TV show. Okay. So Jake today, he he ate some food, he did some stuff, and he watched TV. And I'm describing Jake's life to you. You know, the Bible's full of descriptive things. It talks about stories and it talks about things that happen. Just because something happened in the Bible does not mean that's how we should do it. Okay, how many wives did uh, did Moses have? How many wives did Abraham have? How many, you know, Abraham has a has a, a woman named Hagar who's his, um, um, uh, his wife's, like, maid. And they can't have a baby, so his wife says, hey, why don't you sleep with my maid, Hagar, and have a baby by her, and she'll be my baby. And that was how they did it in that culture. Is that how we're supposed to do it today? If you can't have a baby, you just, like, get your housekeeper to sleep with your husband, and then you have a No, actually, that's not good. In fact, God confronts Abraham about that and says, well, you're, you're acting out of unbelief. That is not how you're supposed to act. So just because something is described in the Bible does not mean it's prescribed. Just because something is described in the scripture does not mean that's how you're supposed to do it. In fact, a lot of times it's showing you how not to do stuff. So description does not mean prescription. So as you're reading the Bible and using the Bible in, 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 uh, in decision making, understand that sometimes people do things in the Bible that are not good. Right? And we're not supposed to. And normally we can tell that. But uh, that, is, that is important. Okay, so you want to write these down. I, I am so sorry. I missed these. Uh, I, I was going to put these on a sheet, but I only did the last page. I thought I had these already, but I didn't. Uh, there are three basic propositions. And I can get you these in writing if you want. But there's no way to know God's will and receive his guidance apart from the scriptures. God has spoken. To, to try to make God talk to you directly uh, in some way is, is not how the Bible teaches us to learn from him. And there are scriptural principles and practices to cover all areas of life. 
So the scripture speaks directly and indirectly by implication. They help us make either our choices or they give us a limited number of equally legitimate choices. In other words, what this is saying is that the Bible can guide us in good decision-making. Three basic ways to say it. There's, you know, the Bible alone, scripture practices covers all areas of life, and the Bible speaks directly or indirectly by implication. Okay. Now, let's get into the real nitty-gritty, and this is what's on your on your sheet. Here's some steps for good decision-making. If you're going to make a decision, let's make, last time we talked about driving a car, cars breaking down, you need to drive a car. What's a good uh, decision we need to make? Let's, let's pick a decision, let's use it as an example. What do you guys want to do as a decision? Pick a major? That sounds like a good decision to make. Anything else? More exciting? That's picking a major? Okay, whether to do an internship or, or which internship to do or something like that. Great. So, how would you go about, let me ask you, how would you go about, not just you, all of you, what would be a typical way of making that decision? In a, how would a typical college student make that decision? How much money? You look at the money, that's it? Okay. What? First and foremost. Yeah, and then they, does this give me an end to a certain, like, is this in my area of interest? Okay, good. Is it paid? Is it, yeah, is it not paid? Can you close that door? Yeah. Um, what are some other? Location. Location, location, right? So maybe there's a girlfriend in a certain city and you have an internship in Atlanta and you want to, you know, she lives in Atlanta and you're like, hey, I got an internship and I continue my relationship and be close to um, There are all sorts of different things you might gather, things, reasons you might make that decision. You know what some, some college students do? They're just like, I don't know. I just pick one at random. Or they say, Lord, direct my hand as I choose now. Let me do it again. Because <laughs> they're like, I don't like that one. I'm going to do it again. So first, first is gather all the facts. God does not call us to be stupid. Okay? God does not call his children to be ignorant and stupid. He, he asks us to be aware of, of reality and we are aware of truth. It's important we gather all the facts, and then we search out the principles, the examples, etc. of Scripture that have a bearing on the decision. Is there anything wrong with making money? No. You know, the Old Testament is full of rich people. God bless them. In fact, it was a hang-up in the New Testament that that Jesus would say things like, sell all your riches. They're like, well, that's how God is blessed. Like, in their mindset, that was a huge disconnect, because all throughout the Bible, God blesses people by giving them wealth. And so is it wrong to make money? No. Uh, there are principles that you need to make sure that you're not disobeying. Principles about uh, you know, uh, following God, you know, not, not getting things out, not getting your priorities out of whack, etc. So then you apply these principles to the pros and cons and the various options. You've got to, and this is where the problem is, you guys have got to be honest about everything. So let's, let's do an example. Let's just pretend like one of your internship possibilities is Boeing. You like aeronautics? Let's say Boeing is one of them. Let's say Lockheed is another. And let's say BMW is a third. You're like, well, BMW is engineering, but it's not aeronautics. Lockheed and Boeing are. I think Lockheed and Boeing are better based on my interests. You look at Lockheed and Boeing, and Boeing gives you, they both pay the same. Everything's basically the same. But you know that the corporate culture of Lockheed is more buttoned up than Boeing. 
at Boeing, and I'm, I, I'm saying this completely off the top of my head. I have no idea if this is true or not. Okay, this is all made up. All right, I not. I have no idea. Let's just pretend like Boeing has a big thing, a big thing about office parties. They have office parties. They drink a lot, and they have that's like part of their culture is that there's this kind of party mentality. Uh, and you're like, as a Christian, would it if there's all things being equal, would I put myself at Boeing knowing that they have a culture that will tempt me towards this kind of behavior? All things being equal, you have to make. You see what I'm saying? But you have to be honest because what, what a dishonest Christian might do is they might they might ignore that fact and say, well, if I get tempted, I get tempted. The Lord will bless, you know, the Lord will protect me, and they just kind of ignore the negatives, the possible negatives. Seek godly counsel. When you're making your decision about your internship or your major, do you ever talk to anybody about it? Have you ever asked them what they think about it? When your parents say, I don't think that um, medieval French poetry is a good major for you (laughs) because you're not going to be able to make any money. um, And you say, you know, mom never understood me. Believe in yourself. Mickey Mouse, right? You've got to seek godly counsel. God put people in your life to give you counsel for a reason. Okay, and then if... And here's here's the cool thing. If you narrow this down to two equally good decisions based on biblical principles, you can decide on, get this, whatever you want. Do you want to go to Lockheed or Bowen? Which one do you like? I don't know. I like them the same. Well, look at their logos. Which logo do you like better? (laughs) I like Boeing's letter. Okay, then go to Boeing. Like, does it, it, it what do you want, you know, when majors like this, or, or cars are like this, buying a car, it's like, well, you know, all things being equal, they're, they're good, but I, one's blue and one's white. Well, which do you like better, blue or white? Well, but I want to know which one God wants me to want. God wants you to want either one. He, I don't think God is like, well, if he picks the blue, I, it's like a secret. It's not like God's having a secret. Well, I've got this secret. I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you pick the wrong car, you're going to have misery the rest of your life. If you get in the wrong major, you're going to have misery the rest of your life. You know, and I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm doing all of this. I get down to the end. If you get down to the end, and there are multiple options on the table. What do you want? I'm reading this really good book right now. I'm going to pull it out, and show it to you. Um, it's called Think Again. It's by Jared Mellinger or Mellinger. I don't know how you say his name. He has this whole thing in here about. Um, it's talking about relief from the burden of introspection. How people can become really self-consumed and really doubt themselves a lot, and there's a whole thing in here about how people in our culture today have a lot of false guilt. A lot of false guilt. Guilty about things they shouldn't be guilty about. And feel bad about things. Like, feel bad about being blessed. Like, do you ever you ever met somebody who's like, oh, I can't enjoy that kind of food. There are people in Africa starving right now. Or I can't like, does it ever bother you the fact that we like are in a in a church that has like air conditioning and soft chairs and around the world there are Christians suffering who sit on bamboo and you're like you feel guilty all of a sudden I'm sitting in a soft chair is God displeased with me? You know God gives good gifts to His children, He does, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying what God has given you, unless you're sinning. Don't feel guilty about that. And the same thing is here, is that sometimes we get down to this and we're, we're, we're wondering, we think that if we, if we do something because we want it, that somehow we're like, that's like wrong. You know, I really wanted the red car, but I knew God doesn't want me to get what I want, so I got the white car. 
You know what I'm saying? Have you ever, like, I knew I really wanted it, so I figured it was an idol, and I didn't, I shouldn't get it. Have you ever occurred to you that God is, is, is like a father who loves when his children are blessed? And so just, it just might be, I don't want to, it's not that way with everything, but it just might be that. Now, if question of possible sin is involved, so let's say that you're not sure. Let's turn to Romans 14. I want to show you this real quick. Um, if you're not sure, uh, Romans 14.23, Romans 14 is talking about when, when Christians have different opinions over things. So they disagree on how to handle something that's debatable. And he's talking about those who eat food that's been offered to idols. It's kind of a complicated situation. But basically, some people believe that by eating, they were worshiping those idols. And they came, maybe they used to be idol worshipers, and so they're like, I don't want to be involved in that. But let's sit, look at verse 23. He who doubts is what? What does your Bible say? Verse 23. He who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he's eating not from faith. For whatever is not of faith is of sin. If it's doubtful... If it's a situation where you're like, I, I could be sinning by doing this, the best option is, is to, to wait. Don't do it. So that's the blank there. If it's doubtful, don't do it. So when you get to this point, those are some steps for good decision-making. Gather all the facts. List your pros and cons. Search out the principles of Scripture that have a bearing on the decision. Are there things in Scripture that matter? Are uh, matters of, of discernment, matters of using your time wisely, use, you know, Using your influence wisely, uh, uh, being a good, be, you know, using what God has gifted you in. Um, apply these to the pros and cons, because maybe going to college is not an option for you. Well, not here. For most of y'all are in college. Um, seek God the counsel. If narrowed down, make a decision base. You may decide on the basis of preference. And if you got possible sin, use the holding principle. That is, just wait. Now, let's talk about how you use the Bible. So here's just some, I'm going to just put these on the screen and we'll talk through them. Here's how I do it. <clears throat> I don't do this every time, but if it's a serious decision, a lot of times this is super helpful. You go through and you list the direct statements from Scripture. So here's a, here's a great example. Question. Should my girlfriend and I be roommates? Okay. We are going to stay pure. We're not going to sleep together. But we're going to be roommates. Or I want to. I mean, think about it. We are both paying for apartments at like 500 bucks a month. And if we move in together, we can save $500 a month. That's good. Uh, we promise not to be immoral. Um, is it directly? What, 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 would you, what would you say to that person who's trying to make that decision? <laughs> Why? Because I mean, like, you're if you're living with your boyfriend, like, eventually, like, something's gonna happen, and then, like, sometimes, like, I know with my sister, like, when like she moved in with her boyfriend, once you slip up, you slip up, and she can never get back. So there is a level of uh, the Bible talks about having accountability with each other. It talks about the Bible explicitly says that you're not supposed to sleep with your. With your boyfriend or girlfriend, you're supposed to only, sexual relationships are only supposed to be within marriage, right? We know that. The Bible tells us, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, you abstain from 
fornication, which is sexual immorality, any kind of sexual sin, that's out, any kind of sexual behavior outside of marriage. The Bible says it's against God's will. It tells you that explicitly. So we know that. But it, but it doesn't actually say that you can't live in the same house. So, so you can see how people can rationalize that, right? Jamie? Like my answer to that is you're putting yourself in temptation. Good. You're putting yourself Good. in the way you of nailed it. You exactly right. So it's not the direct necessarily it's not a direct prohibition that you ever you're not ever allowed to be in the same apartment with that person. What the Bible says should your desire to obey the scripture should make you be wise about this. It's not smart. I've never met a couple. I've never put it this way. I I know couples who are not dating who are living in the same place, who ended up sleeping together. Okay? There's this thing. Let me explain it to you. When guys and girls get to be a certain age, there's this attraction that happens. And it's, like, difficult to pull them apart. And believe it or not. <laughs> and it, it's unbelievable. It's like, it's like, you know, they think they're so stupid. We all are at this age. You're like, well, I, I have the self-control. To, I'll be all right. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't, oh, I'm not attracted to her. It doesn't matter. She's a woman and you're a man. And God made men and women to be attracted together because that's how the human species continues to exist. That's God's perfect plan. But you know what's not God's perfect plan? It's for that to happen outside of marriage. And so people are stupid because they say, well, God doesn't say I can't. Well, but his principles in scripture are very clear. You ought not to put yourself in any situation where you are making it easy to sin. Okay, let's keep going. What's the indirect information from scripture? I'd go to Proverbs chapter 6, where it talks about the man uh, who goes by the corner of the woman who is calling out to him to sleep. I'd go to the story of Joseph, where he runs away from immorality. I'd go to all these different examples where it says, flee sexual immorality. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you know, Proverbs chapter 6, I, you know, Genesis chapter, what is that, 39 or something, where Joseph runs away from uh, Potiphar's wife. These are all indirect things that talk about, hey... When you're dealing with this temptation, you don't, you don't ever mess around with it. You run from it. Okay? So that is indirect information that tells me I ought not to be living in the same apartment as a female. Let me give you an example. Being a married man, I know we're running out of time here, but being a married man, um, my relationship with my wife, is I treasure that above every other relationship I have in the world. Which means, believe it or not, I used to have a lot of friends who were girls when I was in college, but now I don't. Okay? And, and I, this, this is something I've chosen to do, and let me just throw it out there. Um, I have zero close female friends, except my sisters, my mom, my wife. Zero close female. I have guy friends, but I have zero close female friends because God designed men and women to be attracted to one another. And if I have close female friends, I'm asking for trouble. I've, I've seen my friends have close female friends. They're like, oh, she's just like a sister. Right. I, I, give it time. I mean, I'm just saying in the right circumstance, or I should say in the wrong circumstance, in the wrong situation, you could find yourself in a bad situation because you weren't discerning. You weren't making good decisions because there's indirect information that says don't mess with this stuff. Let's keep going, and then we'll, we'll take questions. Try to see what's the most relevant biblical information about your decision. Don't forget to ask for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. James 1, 5 to 8. If you look there real quick, we'll finish with this. James 1, 5 to 8. I don't know if I put this. Nope. Man, I should have put this on the screen. James 1, 5 to 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given of him, given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James 1 tells us that if you, if you need wisdom, where do you go? You ask God. And what's the promise that God gives you? He'll give it to you. So you're trying to make a decision, and you say, okay, I need wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom to make this decision. Then what do you do? You do what? How long? Okay, you, you need to make a decision. You ask the Lord for wisdom. Then what do you do? But then you... You make a decision. This is what I'm getting at. You've got to make a decision. God tells you that he will give you the wisdom. So if you don't make a decision, that's acting in no faith. Okay? If you say, well, I don't know if God gave me wisdom. Did he promise to give you wisdom? Yes. Are you acting in accordance with his word? Yes. Then act in confidence and make a decision. So many Christians are like, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure I might do this. I might do that. I don't know. Make a decision. Trust that God will give you the wisdom and make a decision. And stick to it, especially if it's biblical. Um, because what, and this is amazing, what happens when you don't have faith that God gives you that wisdom? In verse 6 it says, he who asks uh, must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. If you don't have faith and you're just like, I don't know, did God give me the wisdom? I mean, you're going to go back and forth, you're going to be tossed around, you're not going to have any solid foundation. So making a decision, um, don't forget to ask for wisdom. And the answer, again, might be to choose based on preference. And God sometimes, believe it or not, enjoys it when you have pleasure in the things you choose. So you have two girls, guys. You like this girl, you like this girl. You like them both. Thinking of asking one of them out. You're not sure which one to ask. Lord, give me wisdom. Take a step back. You're not going to throw out any fleece. You're not going to say, whatever one wears red today, I'm asking that. You're not going to do that. God, you're going to do pros and cons. Okay, this one, you know, this is what I like about her. This is what I don't like about her. This one is what I like about her, what I don't like about her. All things being equal, you look at these two girls, and, and what's God, and you say, I need, I, you know, I'd like to date one of them. What's the decision? Which one says yes? <laughs> I mean, just go and ask. Like, why, why would you sit back and say, well, they've got to ask me? Oh, no! Go out and, and go do it. You know, go go out there and make a decision. Don't be don't be a coward. See, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you guys from being cowards. It's so easy. I'm sorry. I'm way over. <laughs> okay, and uh, I hope I hope this is starting to make a little sense to you guys. And we will uh, take prayer requests and pray now because it's nine o two. Any questions uh, on what I'm? The last blank. Think. Think, oh, no, I'm not going to give you that. Please. Nope, talk about it next week.